lift our hands to him one more time complete surrender is all he's looking for complete surrender is what unties the hands of heaven it's where the looses the power that heaven holds complete surrender is have to know all the facts. You don't have to have the answer. You know the one that does. Work it all out. There's a place that you can get in God. The human side is always there. There's a place in relationship that as you walk with Him, He begins to show you things about Himself. Because there's things about himself that he's reserved for this time. He didn't reveal it all to them days gone by because they didn't need it. That's why God's inexhaustible in what he is. But there's nothing new that you and I face that he's not ready to show you and I the strategy, the place in him that you and I have. Find that place in walking with Him. I promise you, it'd save a whole lot of anguish and anxiety that you and I face in our day to day life. God never meant for you and I to be anxious. He never meant for you and I to be depressed and sad and oppressed and beat down and downtrodden. But He always intended for His people to have a new song, a fresh touch of joy. A peace that only heaven can declare. That's what God's got for you and I. Father, by the authority of your name, I bind that spirit of doubt and unbelief right now. It's like a cloud just hovering on your people. God, and I ask you now, by the authority of your name, you already bought it, paid for it at Calvary. We speak it now by faith that that thing would be dispelled out of this building now. And the peace of God comes to some saint of God today that no matter what they're looking at in the natural, there's heaven supernatural that's ready to be loosed on them now. And I declare it in the name of Jesus, let it be done. Clap your hands to him now. If you believe the name of Jesus works, your Bibles, Exodus chapter 12, something very, very specifically designed for this service tonight, a clear direction of the Holy God for the church. I thank God for God, His people. I thank Him for His Word. You know, these things you, you sound like, well, then while you're just feeling time. No, I don't ever want to lose a heart of thanksgiving for the things of God, the demonstration of His Spirit, the people of God, the church in this end time, the Word of God. Oh, We've got so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. Chapter 33 and verse 12. Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest, sayest unto me, Bring up this people 
and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Let me say this and interject it in case I don't clearly define it. There's a difference between the presence of God and the works of God. You understand? And Moses is asking in this place, who will you send with me? Who's going to demonstrate the works? He had already been in God's presence. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. And consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go and I will give thee rest. And he said, Moses said, if thy presence go not with me, with me carry us up not. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Verse 14 and 15, if you would, that's where I'm going to launch from. He said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you promise. Rest. He said unto him, if your presence don't go, I don't want the promise. I don't want the promise. And from the simple, just simple thought, presence always comes before promise. Presence always comes before promise. Lift your hands and ask God to talk to us just for a moment. Jesus, speak to our hearts tonight. God, I ask you to help us. Help me to deliver your word as you've given it to me here tonight, God. I ask you, touch our hearts, our spirit, that it be more than just a sermon, but let it be the message that you've designed for this hour, for this family, for this congregation. In the name of Jesus, I ask you tonight, and I thank you by faith. Clap your hands to him as you're seated. New Testament scripture talks about where sin doth abound, grace will abound that much more. And you find in these verses here it said you have found grace, favor from me. You've done something, Moses, that not many have done. You have found a place in me that not only you got a revelation of my presence, but you also have found my grace in my presence. You see, the presence of God is commonly talked about. You hear songs that we sang about tonight, the presence of God. But really, you and I have got to go back to the beginning, Genesis, to understand what is the presence of God? The presence of God is the thing that occupied and took up space proverbially. Though he is omnipresent and feels all of this. It's out of his presence that he created. It is out of the presence of God that he spoke worlds into existence. It's out of the presence of God that you and I have time today that the sun rises and the moon hangs. It hangs because he said, let it be. And there it hangs in the heaven. But all of the works that you and I take benefit of and enjoy here today, it all came because of one thing. The presence of God was there. If it had not been for the presence of God, you wouldn't have a moon. You wouldn't have a sun. You 
you wouldn't have life in your body because out of the presence of God flowed all of life. Out of the presence of God, he took that dirt and began to mold it and shape it. And he said, now, I'm going to make man. And he breathed into man. And he became a living, breathing soul. See, we look at the works of God. And I thank God for his works. I thank God to see the power demonstrated before the natural eye. But before I get inundated and intoxicated on his power and I get kind of drunk on how God works and the great things that he does, I don't want that to ever take away from an awareness in my spirit and an awareness in my heart that the number one priority in my life is not whether I get a promise. It's not whether I see a promise. It's not whether I see a blinded eye open or a deaf ear unstopped. My number one priority did I get in his presence? Did I get in his presence today? Did I have an encounter with God like I've never had before? That's all that matters. Because it's out of his presence that things begin to work. See, we get his promise or we, get, we live in the promises of God. We live in life. Everything you and I have today is a promise. The fact that you got life, that's a promise. The fact that you got health in your body, it's a promise. And if I'm not careful, I get so caught up in the promises that I live in day to day and I forget about there's supposed to be a hunger. There's supposed to be a longing that says, God, I want your presence more than I need you to fix my body. I need your presence more than I just need to see an angel. I need your presence. need his presence to just envelop me I sometimes I go back and I read those scriptures even if it's out of context of everything else I'm reading regular Bible reading I'll go back to the days of beginnings and I'll read chapter 1 and chapter 2 and I'll begin to let those words again just kind of permeate in my spirit and, and I thank God for seeing how he did it and the revelations and the prophetic anticipation as his spirit brooded over all these things that are unfulfilled but in the middle of reading all of that Inevitably something rises in my spirit that says, Brother Roger, I say to him, God, I want to want, I want to know the one that created the sun. Oh, that's too simple for some of you. See, because we're so stuck in tradition, it's like if we ain't feeling a goosebump, if I'm not feeling something just right, or if something ain't moving, it's like God ain't nowhere near. You hear me. God feels all time and space. You can't ever go somewhere that God ain't already there. You, you, you've heard me make the analogy. God can't leave where he is, go where you are, and never leave where he was. God feels all time and space. If he leaves one place and goes to where you are, he's still in the same place that he started because his presence feels everything. But my struggle and battle is I get so, and I'm far promises. Declare your promise. But before I declare the promise, I better make sure I know the one that's given it. I better make sure that I have a walk with him that's pleasing unto him. And it's not just a word. You say, folks, we all get in the ruts. We all get in places of, of just kind of coming to church and, and we're just here and, and, and it's come on. It's like, but, but see, we've lost that element. We've lost it in churches all across, all across. We've kind of learned to just come in, Brother Bushnell, and just sit down and just say, come on, turn the crank, preacher. Come on, preacher, say something that I've never heard before because that's what's going to make me move. Why can't I just right now praise him? Because his presence is here regardless of what the preacher says, regardless of what the singer says says regardless of what song they sang I'm here for his presence I'm not here for a show I'm not here to make myself feel good I'm here because I want to get lost in his presence I want to get lost 
in his presence. Not a theophany. I don't need a glory cloud. I preach it and I believe it could happen. I don't need an angel. I preach it and believe it can happen. But more than any of that, Steve, I want his presence to be so thick in my spirit that I'm just kind of lost in praising and loving that I'm oblivious to time, I'm oblivious to people, I'm oblivious to anything else, I'm oblivious to my agenda, I'm oblivious to my schedule, I'm oblivious to what I gotta do. I'm talking on days that you and I ain't working. I'm saying there's a moment that you and I can find in him. It might be at five o'clock on Saturday morning. It might be at 5.30 on Saturday morning. It might be on Sunday morning at six o'clock. I don't know when that time is, but if you and I can hunger and thirst for more of his presence, there will be a divine visitation of that presence Moses see here's what we got to get in the story Moses had just the backdrop Moses had already ascended two times to the mountain he had already been up to Sinai he had just gotten the tables of stone and now he's coming down on his before he actually come down the previous chapter is the one we all know about they turned and made a golden calf out of all the gold. And they began to worship that calf. And God told Moses, said, Moses, get on down there. Because the people now are doing stuff that they're not supposed to be doing. And Moses begins to down, come down the mountain. And as he gets there, there he finds Abe, uh, Aaron and the people that are naked dancing around a golden calf. See, Moses had been in the presence of God. And when you've been in the presence of God, it don't take somebody else telling you what's right and wrong. The presence of God in you will begin to discern that's not right and this ain't right. The more you get in his presence, the more you begin to understand how he thinks. That's why it's been a prayer, Brother Roger, for, for 25 years plus for me. I pray this, God, I want to love what you love, and I want to hate what you hate. I want to love righteousness like you love it, and I want to hate unrighteousness like you. Like you. I want to love the holy, and I want to hate the unholy. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the mindset of this world that tries to take you and I out of the presence of God. Is there anybody? that's got a sword that's ready to pull it out of the sheath and declare I'm going to fight for my time in the presence of God more than anything in this world and Moses comes down because he'd been in the presence this is Exodus this is them just coming out of Egypt God used him, brought him out he goes into the presence of God and he comes down and sees the people that's chapter 32 Chapter 33, Moses comes down and says, what have you done? And the people begin to realize what they had done. The Bible says they begin to strip their ornamentation because they realize Moses now is bringing the presence of God. Where he goes, the presence of God is coming. So now the people are looking at themselves and they're starting to strip away things that separate them from God. I'm waiting on somebody to catch it. The reason the presence of God isn't felt by you and I or experienced or perceived by us like what we read about in that Bible. It's not because God plays favorites and he picks a Paul or a Timothy or a John and says, I'm going to play favorites with them. No, 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 no. God is no respecter of person, but he's a respecter of hunger. He's a respecter of, of, of somebody that's passionate. He's a respecter of somebody that's determined. I want to be in the presence of God and whatever in me has got to go, it's going to go because I want to strip my watch I'll paint you this real picture this is just free no, no extra charge the previous verse while they're worshiping the calf they're naked they didn't have no problem stripping themselves down for a false worship why is it we struggle when God moves on us in his presence to take something away they didn't have no problem dancing around naked. God forbid y'all start doing that. Oh, Jesus help us. <laughs> but then God's presence moves on you and I. And he's not asking you and I to take clothes off. The enemy told them to take their clothes off. Or, or they, bought, they bought into this mindset. God didn't do any of that. God just does this. 
and he looks down at you and goes, you know what? Maybe you need to stop doing this. Maybe you need to stop doing that. Maybe you need to stop going here. Maybe you need to stop dressing this way. Maybe you need to stop acting this way. Maybe you need to switch. Oh, come on, folks. We live in the day of false everything. False everything. Don't make me say it. From implants to deplants. Hello, you with me now? They implant everything. They color everything. Why can't we just be happy that God made us the way we are and we're created in the image of God? I promise you it'll help you stay in the presence of God. I'm trying to be good, Brother Bushnell, but something just keeps provoking me. Moses comes down and he says, why are you doing this? And he said, he, 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 they begin to take off their ornamentation because they wanted to feel and sense what Moses is now. They see something on him that's different, Brother Darrell. I've been around men of God like that. I get around them and I was like, man, there's something different. I, I'm not into man worship. I'm not worshiping the man. But there's a presence of God that accompanies that man or that saint of God. And whatever it was that they did to get in the presence of God, I'm not so prideful and arrogant enough that I don't need to know. I'm going to ask them and say, how's your prayer life? What are you doing to seek God? How are you doing it? living for God because whatever you're doing that's what I want and Moses comes down and here's what he says go verse 12 find me the give me the amplified verse 12 chapter 33 Exodus but here's the point Moses now has been in the presence of God Moses is coming down from this now hear me Leviticus is the next book Leviticus he got it while he's on Mount Sinai in one of these ascents and descents you understand so what God was doing with Moses in his presence listen to me hear me the presence of God is always accompanied with truth if you've got the presence of God and there's no truth there you've got sensationalism and we're living in an hour of sensationalism. Everything's about what I feel. Ooh, I feel a goosebump. Well, if you don't have truth with what you're feeling, you better be careful. The devils can have a goosebump. I've seen devil-possessed people talk in tongues. Truth is all. So Moses is up top of the mountain. He's getting Leviticus. He's getting the law. He's getting everything that the people need to do internally. You with me? Internal, Sister Debbie. In other words, they, even though it wasn't in them, he was giving them the in, in, internal things to live for God in the presence of God. He gave them truth with the presence. There's a reason I'm bearing that out. Because down the road, you see, Brother Roger, promise is Canaan. But God had to get them to understand before you ever get to promise. My presence is the number one priority with truth. What good is it for you to get the promises of God and you lose the presence and the truth of God? You with me? So Moses is getting the truth and he's getting presence of God. And he's getting it for the people to internally live it. And we know New Testament that they didn't do that. Because when you get the Holy Ghost, the law now is wrote on your heart. So all they had was a hearing of what they had to do. But it still, nonetheless, was an eternal, internal, internal walking with God. Why? Moses got the internal. Joshua was going to face the external. Y'all didn't get it. If I don't have the internal truth and presence... When I get to Canaan and I'm having to face the external Hittites, Amorites, Jebusites, if I get promise before presence, I'm going to be destroyed by the Hittites. 
And this is why we're losing people left and right. This is why people just kind of walk away and go, it don't matter no more. Truth don't matter no more. How you baptize don't matter no more. How you live holy or not don't really matter no more. And people are walking away. You know why? Because they never really got the presence of God. They got sensationalism. They got a feel-good moment. They got a little bump in a hook of Messiah. And their head stood up a little bit on the back of their neck. And they felt they got something. If I, don't, if I don't get this internally, the presence of God. There's coming a day, Brother Roger. I'm going to face the Hittites, Amorites, Jebusites, seven known Canaanite tribes that are going to antagonistically oppose the forward progression of me living for God. And if I don't get an internal presence of God, if I don't get an understanding of how to get in the presence of God, if I don't get a revelation of how important the presence of God is, you and I are going to just bump around in life in sensational moments and go from church service to church service. And all along, you're going to face a Hittite. You're going to face a Canaanite. Canaanite. You're going to face these people of Canaan. It's all representation of your promise. But if there's an internal presence and you've been in the presence of God, then nothing can stop you from walking into your promise. Nothing can stop you from holding the promises of God with the godly integrity he called you to have. This is why, Sister June, people don't believe the truth no more. It's not that they're bad people. They just never really got in his presence. They cried. They had a good moment. But listen to me. That moment was supposed to take you into truth. I'm not denouncing the moment. I'm not denouncing the goosebump, the cry, the weep, the moment I've had it but it should take me to a greater knowledge of truth in God. He's not letting you and I feel a goosebump, Brother Langley, because he feels sorry for us or he's trying to prove that he's real. That's the works of God. And before the works of God are ever manifested in me in your life, I've got to have the presence of God. And with the presence of God comes a revelation of the truth of God that I begin to see who God is and what God wants from me and how I can live a life that's pleasing unto him. Come on, folks. I'm not walking pleasing unto CNN. I'm not walking pleasing unto CBS. I'm not walking pleasing under Hollywood and I'm not walking pleasing under the governor of Louisiana. I'm going to walk pleasing unto the presence of God and the truth of God's word because that's the only thing that's going to cause you and I to make heaven. See, he got the internal mode. Mo did. But now he's got to get to the people. Here's the revelation with Moses. You got to amplify it. Look, here it is. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know who you will send to me. Yet you said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor. That's grace. Favor, grace. Next verse. Watch. Oh, great. Where was I? Is that the first of it? Where do I start, Lauren? My Lord. Oh, okay. Man, what's wrong with that thing? And that's like got me dyslexic. Now, therefore, I pray you if you found favor in your sight. Show, watch, here it is. This is important. I'm trying not to preach long tonight, folks. I really am. I'm kind of hungry. Listen, he said, I found favor in your sight. Now, watch. Show me your way. Remember that word way. That I may know you progressively. Here it is. More deeply intimately acquainted with you perceiving and recognizing I could preach 10 hours on that one verse our lack today is a lack of perceiving our problem today is a lack of recognizing God's presence is in this building right now if you had cancer in your body it could be healed now if you're suffering with anxiety it could go now if you got depression it could go now the presence you've got to recognize his presence is all present But if I can't perceive it, I recognize it, and understand him. Look, look at the next one. 
more strongly, Brother Sherman. What's happened to us, Brother Langley, Brother David, Brother McNabb? What's happened? Why aren't we strong no more? Why aren't we strong in the presence of God like we used to be? What's happened? What's happened that families are out of order? Marriages are on the rocks. Kids are rebellious. Churches are fighting with everything. Preachers and pastors are fighting with everything they have to try to build a good work in the kingdom of God. Saints of God are fighting left and right, trying to just keep their feet firmly planted in a world that is in such gross darkness. Moses got an understanding. Listen, I need to know you. Perceiving, recognize, understand we're strong. And that in my find, I might find grace. And Lord, consider this is your people. See, he's making the conversion. Here's what he's trying to say. I got a revelation of your, your presence. Because right before that, he goes, I need somebody to show me the way. What he's saying is, I, I, need, I got the presence. I just need to know what you're going to do. You see it? When you get a revelation of his presence, the next step is promise and way. And now Moses is trying to say, I got this, but what about the people? Next verse. And Lord, you said my presence shall go with you. Now here it is. He's drawing a line in the sand. I'm going to do everything I can to help the people. And I'm going to do everything I can to tell them about it's a land flowing with milk and honey just like a preacher does on Sunday morning, Sunday night. Heaven is good. Heaven is going to be the best. And we preach. Sunday school declare heaven's good. You can live for God in this hour even before you get to heaven. We declare it. Moses is saying, I've declared to them it's a land of milk and honey. But now here's Mo Moses' ultimatum. He goes, hey God, whoa, 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 whoa. God says, my presence is going with you and my promise is going too. I'm going to give you rest. Next verse, here it is. Watch what Moses says. Moses said, if your presence don't go, don't leave us from here. Folks, think about this right now. I'm going to slow down just for a second. Can you honestly say, God, don't give me my promise for my lost son, my lost daughter, my healing, my miracle. Can you say that like Moses did? Don't. I don't want the promises if I lose your presence. I don't want the promises of God if the presence of God is not going to go with me and keep me and the truth of God's going to sustain me. Because here's what happens, Brother Bushnell. A lot of people get the promises of God. And when they get the promises of God, they backslide. You know why? Because they never got in his presence and God never revealed a truth. That's why I say again, remember where they're going, folks. It's Canaan. Moses is saying, I'd rather stay here in the presence and at this level of truth lest I get to Canaan and we lose the whole shebang of the people. Why? Who's in Canaan? People that worship multiple gods. I say again to some people, if I can get in the presence of God, I'll get a revelation of the oneness of God. But if I don't get in the presence of God, that truth is going to be missed. And I'm going to get the promise of God. And I'm going to start evangelizing at Magnes and these other places. And these other false doctrines are going to bombard your mind. But because you never got a revelation of truth. And we'll lose another one. You not a God, never got a revelation of holiness. And then we lose them to the world it's real simple it's because the presence of God and the truth of God was never acknowledged and Moses is saying don't take me into promise without the presence of God Let's, I'll quit here's, here's, here's the last verse Leviticus Lauren I didn't give it to you forget all that other stuff I gave you I don't feel like doing that go to Leviticus 8 Leviticus 8 and Leviticus chapter 8 verse probably 6 5 and you can go King James. Get me out of that Amplified. I'll give you a minute because I know that takes time. Oh, you're faster than I thought. Moses said to conquer this thing is the Lord. Okay, here's Leviticus 8. You think God ain't concerned about the internal things of the heart more 
then, then we're losing people in Canaan in their living. Remember, here's what Canaan represents for us in modern day. It's walking in the, in the things of God today. Canaan's not heaven. You've heard me say that. Canaan is once you receive the Holy Ghost, you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're living for God. Canaan is your walk of sanctification. It's you walking and living for God, conquering. That's what Joshua was all about, conquering. Okay? It's an external foe. But here's what God's saying about an internal foe. This was to the priest in Leviticus. Well, I might go even to Leviticus 26. Kind of keep that one quick. He was talking to the priest, Brother Savon. Here's what he was saying. I want you to sanctify the priest, Aaron and his boys. And it's the sin offering because in case those priests had sinned, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an offering for the priest, the sin. Because he didn't want Aaron and them doing what they do in the priesthood and they had sin in their life. So God says, I tell you what, I want you to get a bullock. Now, let's go, Lauren, on this fast. Verse 6 of Leviticus. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons, washed them with water. And he put them on a coat and he girded them with the girdle. So here it is. He clothed them with the robe. He put the ephod. He girded them with the cure. He did everything to them and he dressed them. He got, don't tell me outward attire matters or don't matter. If you and I are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood, it matters. And don't get all nervous. I promise you, there's still people out there that want to know truth and they want to love truth. You're not going to offend anybody by living the way you live. Now skip down, Lauren. Go to maybe verse 12 or 14. That's the oil. Go to the next one. There it is, 14. Now they're already dressed. He put them in the attire. Now they were going to offer for them sacrifice. And we know Jesus fulfilled all the law. Okay? So this bullock now, he says, take the bullock. They're going to cut its throat. Next verse. And he slew it. He took the blood, put it on the horns of the altar, the finger purified the altar blood. Next one. And he took the fat. Now here it is. He took the inward, the call above the liver, the two kidneys, and the fat. And that's what God wanted. Next verse. The bullock, the flesh, the dung, the hide, the meat. What would be seemingly good, God says, I want you to take it out of the camp and I want you to burn it. Only sacrifice I want is the fat, the kidneys, and I want the inward part for sacrifice. I don't want the outward part. That's why people that hang their head and go, I'm Pentecostal. I got to act this way. I got to dress this way. You're missing the whole boat. God cares more about your inner heart than the way you and I. The outer is just the expression. That's the external. The inner is what he's looking for in sacrifice. I want the inner part. That's why David said it like this. God, create in me a new heart. Renew within me a right spirit. God, create. Go to my inward parts, David. What was David trying to say? David knew what those priests were having to sacrifice in their offerings. And it was an inward sacrifice. God wants me in your heart. You want to know how to get in the presence of God? Empty out the inward part before God. And I promise you, you won't have to beg God to come to your side. God's going to come to your side quicker than you could ever imagine when you empty your inward parts. Go to Leviticus 26, verse 2, real fast. I'm closing. Musicians, y'all come. Leviticus 26 and verse 3. Here it is. I'm still talking about inwards. Inward parts is this. If you walk in my statutes, keep my commandments and do them. Next verse. Then I will give you, here it is. I'll give you rain in season. When you're dry... God said, I'll provide what you need. When the land is not providing, you need increase. You need a financial help. I know this is talking about land, but it's for us. He said, I'll take care of that. The trees will feel. The fields, they'll yield their fruit. Next verse. And your threshing shall reach into the vintage. The vintage shall reach into the sowing time. And you shall eat the bread to the... Here's what he said. You're going to be full if you just follow my statutes. If I just do it from the heart, Brother Roger... Micah, if I just give it to him from my heart, not because I have to. You see where we've missed it in church, brother Wade? I have to do this. No, you don't have to do anything. You don't. You can do whatever you want. Now, you may be lost, but you can do whatever you want. 
But if we can understand what I get to do in the presence of God. He said, if you follow my statutes, I'm going to bless your finances. I'm going to bless your home. I know this is Levitical. This is the, the law. But it's still applied when Jesus fulfilled it. And you got the, you didn't get Holy Ghost and Jesus, a schizophrenic God. When you got the Holy Ghost, you got Jesus. The fulfillment of the law. And he's saying the same thing. That word is on your heart when you got the Holy Ghost. So when you wake up in the morning, what should you and I do? This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. I'm blessed and highly favored of God. God's for me. God's not against me because I walk in the statutes of God. I walk in the word of God. And I hunger for the presence of God. Let's go, Lauren, fast. Verse 6. I'll give you, here it is. I'll give you peace of the land. Watch this one. I love this part. Sister Liz, watch. He said, I'll give you peace in the land. And what? When you lie down. When you go to bed, you're going to get peace without melatonin. See, these are the beautiful promises of God. But before I get the promises of God, I got to know about his presence. He said, when you lay down, I'll make you. You're not, watch. And none of you, nobody going to make you afraid. Watch. When you walk in God's statutes, you're not afraid what the economy's going to do. Sure, we're concerned and we want to do our part and pray for our nation and people and pray for the best. But you know what? Me and you are part of another kingdom. We're part of a total different thing. God's going to provide for you and I according to his riches and glory. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills. The gold and all the iron ore is his. If God wants to, he'll let a lump of gold drop on your doorstep. And you'll God can do anything. He said, you ain't got to worry. Rid the beast out of the land. Next verse. And you shall change your You shall chase your enemies. You see what he's trying to tell them? This has got to go from internal to external. If you ain't chasing your enemies, folks, you hear me. You're not going to get your family back. We're not going to get this community. This is why we're doing this right here. I want to put it right on the door of hell and say, guess what? Indian Village United Pentecostal Church is fixing to take back everything you stole. You see this? We're not going to stop. I'm going to chase the everything. Come on, I'm not advocating us looking for a devil around every corner. But I'm not going to be afraid of any witch or warlock that would try to rob us of the joy of living for God. Next verse. And five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred shall put ten thousand. And your enemies shall fall. I don't know about you. You might not have an enemy in the flesh. You may. I think I got a few. I think for a minute there, but I got a few of them that just hate my guts. They told me. Yeah, for real. As a girl sitting on the back row, I was preaching a while. I went up to her sister. Linda, I said, if you'll stand up right now, just lift your hands. That's all you got to do. Just stand up and lift your hands. I said, God will touch your family, your marriage right now is in trouble. And I went down the line. I said, but this was private. Just, I was back there. I was standing on the pew, on the side of it. And I said, if you'll just lift your hands, God will start working right now. No, I ain't. I said, but why? I mean, how can you deny, deny this sweet face? But why? She said, because I don't like you. I said, I understand that. But this ain't about you liking me. This is about God touching your family. She said, I don't care and I'll never do what you say. I said, okay. And I walked away, Sister June. And to this day, her family's broke up. Kids are messed up. Marriage messed up. Husband messed up. And she's even further messed up than them. Why? When all you had to do was respond to the presence of God. Listen, folks. I know us as preachers, we, we push hard. And we push for response. It's scriptural. But really, listen, let me, let me teach you something. You respond because the presence of God is here. 
Not because I sang the right song or sang the right thing, but because God's presence is here. And here's the, there's an enemy that's coming against you and I in the spirit. And if I can respond to God's presence and walk in his statutes, God says, I'll take care of anything that comes against your mind, your family, your home, anything. I'll take care of it. I don't know about you, but this message has made me thank God for his promises. But I'll tell you what it's made me do more, Brother Dale. It's made me want his presence more than anything in this world. Because if I can get his presence, that's the list of what he will do through his works. If I get his presence, everything else is going to get taken care of. You don't have to be the smartest person to get his presence. Just get his presence. And everything works out. Lift your hands all across this building right now. I feel the truth of God knocking on somebody's door of the heart tonight. I feel the truth of God knocking on somebody's heart tonight. You may be contemplating whether all this is real. Is all this Pentecostal stuff we do, is it all real? Does it really matter? Does the, the things we do, does it really matter? Come on, somebody, lift your hands, lift your voice right now. You're physically able. This is about the presence of God. Come on, step out of that pew. If you're hungry for the presence of God, I make an appeal to you tonight. Come join me around the front tonight. And let's just let the presence of God saturate our hearts and minds tonight. Come on, we need His presence more than anything.
shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the thing, the obedience to that gospel. That's the gospel that gets you into the presence of God. Without that, listen to me. Somebody hear me right now. Please, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But I, we need to understand the urgency of this. We're living in an hour now that they don't want to tell you that. Without obedience to that gospel, that's not my words. It's the applying of the blood in the obedience of the gospel. You cannot even get into the presence of God unless his blood is on you. That's how emphatic the scripture is. We have watered this down too much. But in the message is what gets me into his presence. What's the gospel of the kingdom, Brother Roger? Once I get in his presence, the gospel of the kingdom is that kingdom now settles on me and my family. And who's on the throne of that kingdom but Jesus Christ himself on the throne of my heart and my spirit. So what's the benefit? Not only do I have him now, but the benefits of the kingdom is miracles, signs, wonders, peace of God, hope of God. Folks, we're living in an hour that people need what you and I have so desperately. And they don't need a watered-down gospel. They need a gospel that's true, that can really change them. Not a gospel of easy believism. Not a gospel of intellectualism. Not a gospel of sensationalism. But a gospel that says, if you want a change in your life, I got the answer. Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost. And life will change for you. One more time, if you believe that tonight, throw your hands and thank him for the gospel message.